Blog Talk Radio. It's so nice to have you here, and 
you know, part of part of the story is over the years I had wanted to get in touch with you, and I think that finally, through the magic of Facebook, it just happened very magically it at did. the right time. <laughs> it did. It did, Susan, and that was so funny when it came through because I didn't know your name. And so I thought, well, we we don't have any mutual friends, you know, and usually I just uh-huh. delete, but something said, mm-mm, click on, and there you were talking about the book. I loved it. Wow. I'm glad you followed your intuition because, you know, I've actually, <laughs> maybe I'll start to rediscover some of my friends because um, I actually used to have friends at, at in Unity in Kansas, and, and you know how that goes with Facebook. I may rediscover people. <laughs> oh, I love it! Cause, yes, because over the years I've I've migrated away from there. But um, you know your your book, um, I feel that I have to tell you it was the book that was in my nightstand. It was my favorite random book opening book. One one of the reasons why <laughs> that book spoke to me so much is it would it would encourage me in incredible ways because your name is Susan. And so I would open the book sometimes at night or if I was feeling, um, you know, I needed guidance or, or if I was feeling um, depressed or whatever I was going through, and it would just open to the most magical places and sometimes to the same place um, inexplicably to help me to see, you know, what this journey is really all about because it was so different from what I'd been taught as an evangelical. I love it. Just love it. So what I'd like to know, Susan, is if you could retrace the steps of how this book came to be, if you can tell us how how did you create or how did you bring this book forward? Because it, it seems to have been quite an amazing process, and you had gone through a challenging time. I had, Susan. Um, and at the time, I was living in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places, and um, had what I thought to be a wonderful life. I was writing. My daughter was in high school. Um, I was married for the second time. My husband, had a, at the time, had a very good job as the vice president of the bank. Uh, so we were living, we were living a, a lovely life, and he had health challenges, that we had walked through, but all in all, things were going pretty well until one day I came home from a, a doctor's appointment and found him at home at 10 o'clock in the morning um, telling me that he had resigned his job as a vice president of the bank. And with the kind of health issues he had, you wouldn't resign your job and lose your health insurance. And uh, yeah. long story short, as that at all, the truth of the matter was he had embezzled a great deal of money from the bank and they had caught him and so here I was uh, living what I thought to be this wonderful perfect life and all of a sudden within a couple of hours it was just turned on its head and um, after I you know, it took a while for the story to truly evolve and as it did it just got worse and worse and so I did the only thing I knew to do at the time, which was go into meditation every single day and just ask the question, why did this happen, God? And for the first several days, absolutely nothing happened. I sat in silence for 10 or 15 minutes, and then 
I left to go try to deal with all of a sudden losing everything that you thought was so valuable in your life. And then finally one day, one day I began seeing images in my mind as I meditated. And it turned out to first be the images of the beautiful gem and the figure eight and and that. And then as I kept with it every day, the words started to flow. And so I would leave meditation and get very quiet and just allow the story to come. And that's how Dancing with Angels came. Yes, yes. That that to me is so amazing. Susan, what's your background um, when you were growing up? Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Because one of the things about your book that I needed to to learn more about and feel more comfortable with is this notion of guidance, the kind of guidance that we can receive. And I'm wondering, um, leading into this experience, how open you were or if if that was a process for you, opening up to that kind of of guidance based on whatever, whatever background you came from. Oh, wonderful question, Susan. Well, I grew up Catholic. So, no, I didn't grow up. I certainly knew of, of angels, but never had I heard anything about guides. Yes. And my journey took me from um, Catholic to unity, and uh-huh. it was in unity that I began to open up to a whole new world of possibilities that was not really tied to dogma. And I was very blessed a little bit before this time. I had met a wonderful intuitive woman whose name was Raina, she's now deceased, who started talking to me about the whole idea of guides versus angels. And I was fascinated by that. And so I remember driving home one day from her house, and I really wanted the experience of working with a guide. So I said this little prayer. I said, beloved guide, I'd love to connect with you. So I would really like a physical sensation when you are speaking to me. And it wasn't, but two minutes later, I started feeling this vibration at at my shoulder Uh, and immediately thought, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. And then it connected that I had just asked for that. And what I learned to do then was when I would feel that vibration, I would get very quiet and still and allow the words to flow in. And the words that flowed into my mind, much like this book, were not my own words. That's how I could tell it wasn't just a matter of the mind. And so I encourage everyone to begin to work with guides as your closest and dearest friends. It's it's amazing. Yes, yes. And, you know, at the time that I discovered this book, um, I had had a rather dramatic awakening experience after a health situation that, that woke me up. And and I had encountered some guides in this way, and even angels. I was I was really confused at the time because um, it, it frightened me. Also, at first it was very loving, but because of my background, I fell into fear. And then also I was in uh, surrounded by a lot of evangelicals in that area in Kansas where I was, and you know they they helped steer me um towards uh-huh. that path again you know that that you know this is this is demonic and this is before i found your book whereas eventually i i kind of left i i didn't just kind of i left that that fear based um 
approach. I left a church, basically, um, very consciously, and ended up um, at at Unity in Overland Park, where um, I, at the time, I remember I was still really afraid. And this is why I appreciate that you talk about guides in the way that you do. And this is one of the ways that your book helped me, because I was taught to fear things like that, that they're a deceptive angel, you know, that, that mm. these things, and I was even told that directly by several people that summer um, before, that, um, you know, that, that this was deceptive, it was demonic, and I had people praying for me. It was, was quite, a, quite an ordeal. And I feel like it's so important, because this show goes out to a very broad audience, that how can we know um i i mean you can you communicate such love i feel like that's that's the key that came through your book to me was the love the real love of the guidance that comes through oh that's so true that it that is exactly how you know it is true guidance versus you know, um, delusions of your own mind. I've, yeah. I've never, I've, I, since I've been working with guides, I've never um, had any kind of an issue where I didn't know true guidance because yeah. it is, it is so love-based. It is not, uh, this is what you have to do. It's not punitive. It's just mm-hmm. loving, beautiful guidance. And uh, what I've discovered, it you can have guidance in just the most ordinary to the most amazing things. And once you develop a relationship with your primary guides, it really is like having a best friend with you all the time. And I always, I always say a prayer inviting only the highest of my beings to be present with me, uh, my angels, guides, master teachers. And, and once you begin working, you learn very quickly the difference between the random thoughts of your own mind versus true loving guidance. Yes, yes. You know, I want to say to to those listening who who may be evangelicals, because I know that this mm-hmm. this, this audience can be diverse. One thing that sure. that worked for me is I kept being told you're praying to a false god <laughs> that that that's a false god and a deceptively loving god. And and one thing that you can do is just say. I only want guidance from my creator because even for for an evangelical there can be no um there can be no confusion as to who the creator is and you know as you become more aware even evangelicals are taught that God is omnipresent everywhere um including in us and so um that that can really take you to some very helpful places. And I think that in your book, you show how discovering what God actually is and where God resides um, is a very powerful experience. Well, you bring up a wonderful, wonderful point, and I'm so glad you did, because my entire writing career and spiritual journey began as a result of the Hyatt Hotel disaster in 1981 Mm. in Kansas Mm -hmm. City. Um, For those who don't know, what happened was it was the Hyatt Hotel had just been open a year. It was a beautiful state-of-the-art facility, 
And as part of the summer uh, in Kansas City, there was a tea dance that went on every Friday night. And people from all over filled the hotel lobby tunes, and it was a wonderful place to meet people. So this is 1981, and I had been there the two Fridays before. Uh, Once was to be with a band who I was good friends with, and the other was when my 80-year-old uncle was being married for the second time, and the reception was there, and I walked across the skywalk all night long with my daughter, who was four at the time, and I had a real sick feeling, but I had made plans to go that Friday night, and I experienced um, at the last minute an invitation that was more important to me than this that kept me away. And I was so drawn into that entire experience as to why some people were kept away and some had been there that I began to pursue a book. And and this is where it comes in about guidance. And when I started interviewing some of the survivors, what I discovered was that they had received beautiful divine interventions that saved them from death in this experience And they received it in the way they would hear it. So one of the first people I interviewed turned out to be someone who lived near me, who was an evangelical man, who went every Friday night with his entire family, extended family. They loved it. They got their three hours in advance to claim the best seats, which were directly under the skywalk. And about five minutes before the collapse, he reported to me that he heard the booming voice of God in his ear that said, get up and move your entire family to the escalator. And because he didn't question it, he did and saved them all. And, And again, there were so many people I interviewed Uh, who received divine interventions, their guidance in the way they would hear it and experience. And that's what can happen to us even on a daily basis. We receive it in the manner we will hear it, understand, and act upon it. Yes. You know, something that your story really brings up is that this guidance can come to us through many different paths. Um, And, and, you know, it's so important not... To be in, I when I talk about my evangelical past, for example, I I don't want to talk about it judgmentally in the sense that I certainly have known people who have experienced healing and guidance and love on that path, um, but it it was not a path that worked for me. And apparently, right, um, this person that you talked with, he was very connected. Through the path, and that is very possible. I mean, there's no question that God can speak to us in many ways. And and I I was not in Kansas City when that happened, but I remember that disaster. I was in Denver at the time, or in that area. I can't I can't remember exactly the year. I must have been fairly young, but um, yeah, that was a huge catastrophe. And the stories that you're telling, Susan, it kind of reminds me of things we heard. Um, after the World Trade Center situation where people were kept away from there. Um, There were so many stories that people had to tell in that way. Well, and that that this whole uh, experience of the Hyatt Hotel disaster has just propelled me on this spiritual path because 
Also, Susan, it would beg the question then, what about the people who did not receive the guidance, who were killed or injured and such? And so that that has propelled my doctorate studies, and my dissertation was actually on pre-birth planning that we might do uh, prior to any incarnation where where we have the opportunity to choose experiences. There's a lot of wonderful research out there about what the soul might choose before birth as their yeah. life experience. So it just, and, and I've come to the conclusion, at least for me, that I will be divinely protected and guided from anything I've not agreed to experience on a soul level. And this guidance will come in the way that I will most readily accept it. But I encourage everybody to to work with the idea of guidance because once you hone it in your daily living, then it's just so much easier to receive it. And like you said, it comes in so many different forms, yes. so many different ways if we're just open. Yes. You know, you just said something so important. And, you know, you remind me of things that, that I was only beginning to hear um, in 2003. Um, when you talk about, um, you know, when things happen to us that seem adverse, um, is it part of, of our soul agreements? That, that you know, and often between people, this, this notion that, mm-hmm. that we set, we have plans for our lives before. I find this fascinating that you've studied this, Susan, because I think it helps answer some of the most challenging questions that that people have about you know but you know I can hear it sometimes but you know I I'm so focused on whatever thing you know they feel that they're they're doing the the quote right things you know if, if, if whatever that right. might be and yet you know something happens that that's really adverse and unexpected and and why you know there's always immediately at the beginning of your book and in your story it's why you know why right. why is this happening and you have that answer it it there's a very good reason well it brought me comfort to know that thing i've experienced in my life include what i went through that that was the the action for the book coming to me once I came to understand that this was of my own soul's choosing for whatever the purpose, then I stopped being a victim and I stopped blaming God. And I, I come to embrace and say, okay, what is it I am to walk through and gain from this experience as I grow in love? And, and that is so helpful with being able to then turn around and forgive those who have caused us harm, when you stop and you go, hmm, did we make a soul agreement to experience this together for our greater learning? And that, to me, shed a whole entire different light on the notion of forgiveness. Yes, yes, yes. We can spend so many cycles on resentment and, um, you know, just replaying things when, when there is some kind of a situation where, where you feel like, you know, you've been betrayed or or whatever the situation might be, is that if we could only get to that place of understanding how souls truly choose to interact, we would just live in so much more peace. I mean, we would just be so accepting 
of every situation. And and I think the word surrender comes to mind as well, which is a powerful concept in your book of of surrendering to the moment and the the situations that we're in and, and the soul agreements help so much when you start to see that. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's so much more going on in our lives than we're consciously aware of. And um, it does. It sheds a whole new light. You suddenly take yourself out of any victim role and and you can take and remove somebody else from the so-called persecutor role and just yeah. know we're souls. Yeah, we're souls here yeah. fulfilling our agreements. Now, something that your book actually is speaking to me even today, your book is a, a gift that keeps on giving, let me tell you, as each, as each context unfolds. And, and, you know, I had to say that it, it you know, looking at it yet again now really has been helpful. And one of the things that you talk about or that you were guided regarding had to do with whether you were truly following your joy and your your destiny, so to speak, um, your purpose, and right. and how this experience helped you to find that. And I wonder if you could explore that for us, Susan, because that's so very important. Well, I think each of us, Susan, comes into a lifetime with a purpose, a destiny, if you will, that we we have chosen to come and. We are. We know we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are expressions of the divine, and I think each person is gifted with an aspect of the divine that we are here to express and to live and to follow. And when we do that, uh, you're living it right now. You are. You are expressing the divine so beautifully in what you do. And I find that I'm. I'm expressing my soul's purpose when I write, when I share, when I do the things I love to do. And I think that for many of us, we often get clues as children what yeah. we naturally love to do, what brings us joy. What is that connection where, when you are doing a particular thing, and it doesn't have to be. Writing a book, it can be anything, anything that you do that you feel a connection of this is right. This this gives me joy when I'm doing it. Is a yeah. clue to what part of your purpose is and what your particular gift of the divine is. And I think each one of us, again, has beautiful gifts that we're here to express. So I always, when I work with people, I say, what do you do that that gives you joy? What are your natural talents and abilities mm-hmm. and how can you combine your natural talents and abilities with what gives you joy in a way that serves others as well as yourself and and that to me is a clue for for what your purpose is yes yes you know sometimes it's funny you you look back and you didn't really realize how much joy um you were i had i had something happen where um I was reminded because um, a, a family member gave me a bunch of tapes, cassette tapes, that I had made when I was a child where I used to just talk into a tape recorder and say it was my tape-recorded <laughs> diary. <laughs> and I, I swear, love- and I did remember this, but my goodness, I mean, I had no idea. And now, no way, by any stretch of the imagination, through most of my life would I have thought I'd be doing 
a spiritual radio show. Isn't that something you were doing your first show? (laughs) And yet the funny thing is, is when I was a kid, I loved it. I loved doing this. And and I would just, you know, just sometimes it it feels like an echo. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm still doing it. And it's just so amazing how that happens. And it can be so many things, you know, how... How how many of us as children loved being in nature, and, and, and many of us did, and, and we can rediscover that same playfulness and joy in nature as adults, which is what I'm discovering again right now. Oh, so true, and how beautiful it is when you do know that as a child. And then unfortunately, I think oftentimes we let others tell us what we can and can't do, and then suddenly you get to be an adult and you go, well, let me get back to what I love doing, and there's nothing nothing in the world like it. So I I think I invite people just to, to look at what they just naturally love, what fills their soul. We all know of jobs that we've done in the past that drained us. It never yes. filled our soul. Yes. But likewise, I think we can know what just makes you feel alive. Yeah, you know, it seems to me that you'll know it because when when you when you're at the end of the day and you just have no energy left, that tells you mm-hmm. that something isn't right. <laughs> and exactly. yet when you when you just don't even want to quit whatever you're doing, you know, that that you just are are continually fueled. Um, and not by your own feel, which also is something important in your book, but that, that you know, you just feel like, where is this energy coming from? It, it's magical. And, it and is. And I so relate to that. And I didn't know this at the time that I first encountered your book. I, I was not on the path. I was feeling drained and tired all the time um, prior to that. I, in my young life, I was often tired. I feel more energy now at my age, um, than I did when I was younger because I wasn't on a path that was in alignment with who I really was. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, now something I'd like to also explore, um, we've talked about about guides, and there may be people out there really asking about angels too. And I know your book talks a bit about guardian angels, and and I just wonder how how your understanding has evolved over time, as well as you know how we how we come to understand you know what are the what are the angels that are out there versus you know these guides that can assist us. Well, when I began to study guides versus angels, uh, and, and when I began with this book, Christopher the guide is very different from Melanie Grace the angel. And I think my understanding at the time when Dancing with Angels was written was that our guides were assigned to us at birth, and they were very much like us. They had lived their lives, and now they were serving on the other side, and that uh, we were assigned guides who who could really be helpful. And we had primary guides that stayed with us throughout our life, um, and then other guides from time to time. My understanding now has evolved the more I've studied this, and I realize that we have all kinds of guides. We have our primary guides. We have ancestral guides. Uh, we do have angels and archangels that are with us, and all of them want to be of help. So for me, I don't necessarily distinguish as much in my mind when I'm in touch with a guide or an angel. To me, 
you know, we're all one soul. We're all one being. And it's just the form that we take on. So, you know, there's beautiful guidance with the animal world. There's there's beautiful guidance with ancestral guides. I even call upon particular spirits who have been writers in the past to help me with a particular project now. Uh, I can remember, I remember when I went through this horrible experience that that I talked about with uh, with the embezzlement. I called upon my dad who had passed over, who was an attorney, because I had to deal with 26 attorneys in one year. And part of what I had to do was be able to show and prove that none of that money had ever come into my possession or into our household. And I had to be able to deal with that. And I remember distinctly calling upon my father to come help as an attorney and to bring his buddies with him. And I found myself in meetings with attorneys, having things come out of my mouth that I wouldn't know, you know, legal knowledge, and it served me beautifully. So what I'm keenly aware of now is that there are so many wonderful guides and angels here to help us, and it doesn't really matter if you're calling upon your guardian angel or an archangel or a guide. Whatever you believe in, they're here. And and that's what I love. There's not a, a difference. I used to think there was, that an angel was different than a guide. And sure, they are, but they're so available to us. That's what I want people to know. Yes. Wow. You know, what you just said, this has come up before. And, in fact, during um, some of my awakening experiences many years ago, I had a similar experience where, and, and what you said, Susan, it's a very subtle thing that you don't often hear, and yet it makes sense. And I find it amazing that of all people you would be saying this because it's just so consistent with understanding what it means to be one with our Creator because everybody who ever existed is there. And, and exactly. you, are, you talk to, and they can come through us. And in miraculous ways, and what you described is exactly that. And I find this um, astonishing in a way, just although not really, not really surprising because you're so connected, because so rarely do we hear this notion. But to me, it's the answer for an awakening humanity, that as our consciousness expands, we'll be able to bring forward more of that kind of assistance and still be ourselves at the same time. I'm sure you were you in that meeting. It's just that you you had extra assistance that um, I did. came in at perfect timing. Oh, I, and the the more you experience that, it's just it's amazing. So yes, we can call upon anyone, any any uh-huh. any spirit of anyone who's ever lived. We can call upon if we're going through a particular challenge or we need help in a particular area, ask for guides who have that experience to come in. It's just, it's amazing. Yes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to share the brilliance of guidance and how it happens. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, I have developed in in these wonderful later years uh, a phobia, if you will, of driving on interstates. And I like to justify my phobia of driving on interstates of all the crazy wild drivers out there. But for whatever reason, I can't stand it. And the biggest challenge for me is merging on an interstate. And I 
discovered I had this phobia about the time that I had a job that required me to travel 30 miles each way on an interstate. And I just said a prayer for guidance, and it, it, it boiled down to safe and secure. That's all I say is safe and secure as I merge onto an interstate or a freeway. Mm-hmm. And every single time, there are no cars there. That's how guidance can work. That's how we can call upon for help. You know, you raised something that, and it's funny. I swear, we must be we must be soul sisters <laughs> in some way because I I often tell some of my people who know me know I have some driving phobias of my own. My thing is not interstates. I could drive on interstates all day long. What it is, parallel parking. <laughs> and getting my car into small places. And I was even joking with a friend not too long ago that I need I need to bring in a spirit who knows how to parallel park. I mean, I literally <laughs> said that. Yeah, in exactly the way we were talking, because um, because that's my thing. You know, and, and I love it. What what this brings out that's so important is how human these things are. I mean, we we have these experiences of the world, and we all have these things that we feel so imperfect at, or that we're afraid of for whatever reason. They, you know, I, I actually know other people who feel that way about the interstate, so I certainly understand that one. Um, and how I got over that, I'm not quite sure. But I, you know, here I can fit my car in traffic at high speed, and I can't at the lowest of speeds. You know, in my head, I'll have this limitation that I can't um, park it, which is, you know, kind of ironic. Um, But spirit helps us with the simplest, most human of things and in many ways seems to love us even more through those very human things because it's why they came to earth. It's why we came to earth is to experience things like parallel parking and merging on (laughs) interstates. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and just to know that that we really are beloved. We really our creator does love us and there is no separation. We are one. And we're meant to we're meant to not only grow and go through things on a human level, I think at the core of it all, we're really so loved. We're meant to be joyful. We're meant to feel yeah. that connection. We're meant to laugh with humor. We're meant to see the guidance in everything. And we're really meant to know we are one. And that's what's been so meaningful to me. Yes, yes. You know, I think coming back to this notion of, of joy and that it, in a in a way life Life is is a playground. I think this term playground comes up in your book and and if only you know we lose sight. I know that there are challenges that our soul chooses, but it right. seems like we so quickly lose sight of the dancing aspect. I mean the very theme of your what what could be more joyful than dancing with angels, the very title of your book. Exactly. I think we get so caught up in the illusions we've created in our world about who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, and we we forget that that's just dramas, that's just illusions. What the joy is is what you and I are talking about today. What the truth is is our connection with spirit and oneness and seeing our oneness in all things and living out our purpose, doing what we love doing. That's to me, that's what's real in life, and it's all this other stuff that isn't. 
And so when I find myself getting too caught up in all this other stuff, that's just illusion. It's just this this society life we've created that we think is what it is. We forget what the truth really is. Yes. You know, um, I had an experience when, when I was first waking up and had never heard this notion, Susan, that we are we are spirit having a human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen that before, and I had been asked. To, I asked with all my heart after having a scary health situation, which thankfully resolved itself, and I think somewhat miraculously. The more I think about it, um, it was a little mysterious at the time, um, but I it put me in a kind of crisis because coming close to my own mortality made me realize I really didn't know what I thought about things like hell and 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 things I'd been taught and it didn't resonate and and so I asked um my creator show me the way show me the way and immediately it wasn't your book right away but another book came to me that said that very thing that that we are you know divine we are the divine having a human experience. And when I saw mm-hmm. that, Susan, it was like, Eureka! Eureka! And I showed it to someone in my life at the time, and it was like, what? There is no accountability to that. I mean, this seemed like the most horrendous idea to, to even think of that, because there's no accountability. And so I really, I think that, that and, and it shocked me, because to me it was just the most, joyous wonderful this is it eureka moment and and that did not deter me because i still knew deep down and yet it seems and this is a long way to a question that that often we can be raised with notions of we need to be judged you know and i say that in a very harsh way and yet your book which i then discovered within that year um, talks to us about how we are worthy, how we are worthy. And and I know that, that that called to me because I had always been taught that we are unworthy and that we are punished and, and we would be told we, we are loved, but it was a very contradictory kind of love. Oh, sure. and And only some were able to access it. So this notion of being worthy... You know, how can we come to love who we are, Susan? Because that's such a powerful thing that I feel you convey through your book and, and obviously who you are all these years, that everyone, everything you are. Uh, thank you, Susan. One of the things that came through this book that was really meaningful on that subject was the whole idea that because you are here and you've been created, you're already worthy of all the rich blessings of of the creator. Because if you weren't worthy, the creator could have varied its thought and created someone else. Yeah. So by the mere fact you're here, you're worthy. And I think it's one of the, the biggest errors in humankind is the, the idea of all the false stories that have been made up, religions and different cultures, that try to tell us we're separate from our creator, that that there's a big, you know, uh, man-made person in the sky, if you will, whose, whose job is to judge us 
and that we are separate and we are unworthy when the truth really is we are one. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Uh, There is no separation. There is no place where we are that, that God or whatever you call your creator isn't because we're one. There is nothing we have to do to gain worthiness, to gain approval. Um, we are beloved. That's that's the truth. Right. You know, and Susan, you know, I th- yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I think if we look at if we look at every single conflict going on in the world today, it's because people are viewing themselves as separate. Not as one, you know, we versus they, as opposed to the truth that we're all just different expressions of the one. Yes. What I was going to say is something that I felt that you captured that was very confusing for me when I was waking up, and I know that it can be confusing for people. Um, in fact, I went to an event. I'll, I'll describe it this way. I went to an event early on where I heard someone voice this and said, you know, that we keep hearing that we're one with the ocean. And this woman mm-hmm. said, I don't want to get lost in the ocean. I don't want to get lost in the ocean. And, Susan, something that I felt that, that your book conveys and that that it's so important to understand is that every drop is precious and that that we're created for a reason, that, that we we exist for a reason as the people that we are, and that, that that you can be both. You can be one with the ocean, and you can be your beautiful self. And I wonder if you could explore that further, because I feel that that, that comes through so beautifully in your book. Oh, thank you, Susan. Well, it's I see it as we, together we create a beautiful mosaic, a beautiful, yeah. beautiful creation of art. And so we are part of that whole, that that beauty. But it takes each piece to make it whole. So it takes each individual living out their divinity in human form to make the beautiful mosaic. And without without one of us, it wouldn't be complete. And it takes the whole thing. A simple way to explain it is um, if if you've ever been to, like, a football game or a baseball game, I'll use the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh The game is the game, but every single person – in that arena is experiencing the game from a different perspective. The coach is going to experience it completely different from a player who's going to experience it completely different from the guy who's selling beer or peanuts to the guy who brought his date and the date wonders, you know, the the girl wonders, does he like me? Everybody is experiencing what's happening from a completely different perspective, but the game would not be the game without its perspective. Just like a beautiful mosaic or piece of art or a beautiful painting, it takes the whole painting, but it's each brushstroke that that makes it beautiful. And that's that's how I see us. Yes, yes, that mosaic analogy is beautiful because that that really conveys uh, the the true answer. Because I think that so often, um, you know, we we hear about the the ego so much that that we we lose sight of how precious we all are. Um, and, oh, exactly. And, that it, it, and I, I think it can grow cold then. Our spirituality can, can be more um, distant and cold if we lose sight of, of the special beings we are. 
Exactly. And we're here in this time for a reason. Um, it's it's easy for, for many of us, I love what you're saying, because it's easy for many of us to just kind of wish we could be out in a beautiful place and just, you know, be one with nature and not have to live this day in and day out life. But I love what you're saying, because it really is in the human living out the day in and day in life that we touch one another, that we uplift one another, that we fulfill our purpose, that we paint the mosaic. And so um, it's important that we we do love and embrace our humanity as well as our spiritual selves. Pierce, you really do assist people with, what do you say, Susan, to people who, and we may all be in this situation to a, to a degree, it seems like life can be a mix. It's like, you know that, you know, I know that this radio show is very aligned with my joy, no question about it, and yet I can't just do the radio show. That's not quite enough. There's more. And so, and there's some things that we do, we just, yeah, you know, this doesn't feel quite right. So how do you help people, Susan, with with finding those things that do align? Because it, it, it can be a mix of things. You know, some things feel that way, some things don't. And it seems like it takes a lot of, a lot of work and practice or just exploration to, to find those things. Well, uh, what I've discovered, Susan, in a way, it's, it's kind of nice uh, getting older, more mature, because the things that used to be so important that I thought were so important really aren't. And uh, you know how you discovered when you lost your health, you discovered so much more about life. And yeah. when I lost everything I possessed because of, of what happened that I shared, I yeah. got in touch with what is really important. So I think it's through those things you you boil it down to what do you love to do? My husband and I, um, I'm married to a wonderful man. Uh, Mm -hmm. He is a retired engineer now and a photographer. And uh, when we met, I was working in public service. I I have written three suspense novels, and I got to a place after 9-11 where I couldn't write about terrorism anymore, so I worked in Homeland Security for a while. That's what I was doing when we met. And even though I loved my job, when we got together, we made a commitment that uh, it was more important to us to live simply doing what we love doing than to have wonderfully paying high-powered jobs. And so we left, you know, our former career, and now I write full-time. He takes photographs. We do that together. And we have one criteria in our company, our companies of Love Creations, um, and our our criteria for the work that we do is we will not do anything we don't love. Yeah, we just won't. So wow. it, so I do all kinds of things. I'm a, I'm a minister. I do weddings. Uh, I love teaching. I love facilitating. I love writing. We do all kinds of things. But if we take on a job and we don't absolutely love it, we won't do it again. And yeah. I, for me, that is just it. It makes every day a joy. And I encourage people to to try to get in touch more and more. Love, that word love, seems yeah. to be the key to everything. It's what we're made out of. It's it's our oneness. But it's also the key that we hold inside when we're aligned with what we love doing or being so that we can feel the joy. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, yes. So I encourage people to fill their days more with what they love doing than what they don't. Yes. 
What do you say to people, Susan, who who say, "Oh, but I'm I'm trapped in this job because um, I know this notion of um, needing security, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to I've got to keep keep doing this, or or you know, now you won't lose your health insurance quite like in the old days, but, right? Um, but um, you know, that used to be a real reason why people stayed in certain jobs. I I know that, um, but um, you know. It, it it's hard to just well i mean sometimes a surprise can come up and whether you think you want to leave your job or not you will and that's exactly what happened right. to me at some point where um you know the spirit has a way of pushing us forward sometimes oh doesn't yeah it? oh yeah and if you set an intention <laughs> for something be prepared to get out of the way because it may happen in ways you never imagined Susan, remember the part in the book, uh, it's early on in the book, where Christopher, one of the first places we go on the journey is to the island? Yes. Uh, and and in this tale, this spiritual tale, uh, Susan is looking at a woman on an island, uh, and at first everything looks lovely, it's peaceful, it's calm, and then a storm comes up. And in the storm, yep. then she's trying to cling to things for survival. And Christopher teaches the beautiful lesson that, when we immerse ourselves in the the dramas of life, in the cultures of life, in the expectations of what we're supposed to be doing, when we try to keep that job for the income, when we try to, you know, uh, power ourselves through, when we believe falsely in where our security is, yes. then we can go along for a time until that storm comes up or till our heart says, I can't do this another moment, and then cast adrift, as opposed to, you know, society will tell you, you better be sticking with that job because you need your IRA. You need need that security. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got to have so (laughs) much to, you've got to have so much to be able to retire. And I listen to that stuff now, and I go, but what about spirit? I mean, does not our creator provide every single thing? that is needed for life to sustain itself. Do not the seasons of the year recur every year. I mean, we have so much abundance. So for me, when I place my trust in my creator and my purpose for being, um, I don't need to place a false belief and value into things that are man-made, if you will. And that's what I tell people. That's what I tell people. Yeah. So, So I can only speak... Yeah, I can only speak for me, but we're so much happier now doing what we love doing, even though we live a much simpler life. Yes. Yes, I, 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 I think that that many of us are called to to do that, and it can be it can be a process. And you know, some some of what you're saying is speaking very directly to me right now because I think that that um, you know we we have to really look very deeply at at you know what is it that is that is the most meaningful and you know all of these things are you know um um your home you know does it have to be elaborate i mean people um they they place so much emphasis most of the people in many of these neighborhoods aren't even home to enjoy their homes <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and, and you know and when, when what yeah <laughs> And we, when we put our value on that, there is no amount that's ever enough. That's what I've discovered. Yes, yes. No, no amount, true. no home, nothing is ever enough. It's always the next and the next and the next. Yes. Um, so, and, well, our, and I can, 
Oh, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say our time is 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 starting to dwindle with within the hour, Aww. but um, but please finish your thought. <laughs> well, I'm just saying the more you the more what I've discovered, the more I align with spirit and try to do what I'm here to do and express who I really am. Uh, the more it comes in, things happen, and you just get prepared to follow it. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. That's what I encourage people to do, yeah. and trust. Oh, that's an important word too, very much so. It is. I, I could talk to you all day, Susan. <laughs> Me too, Susan. <laughs> I, I I really enjoy this. It's like it's like um, having you. I I feel like we're in Overland Park having coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I love something. it. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get back out there into the Kansas City area to visit. But um, thank oh, you so much. Thank you so much for being here today, Susan, and for everything that, that you've done and for, for being so very guided to write this beautiful book, Dancing with Angels. And and I do want you to, to once again tell the audience um, how you're offering signed copies available um let people know about that. All right, I will. Well, please just go to our website, ofloveCreations.com, and you will see Dancing with Angels featured as the Christmas special. You can just go right in there and order it. We'll get it. I'll sign it, and we'll ship it right away, free shipping for, for these books. And, and also, my email is, is on the website, so for anyone who has a concern or a question or wants to communicate, and I am on Facebook. Of Love Creations is on Facebook as well as Susan Hoskins Logging Camp. So um, we are one. It's lovely to connect and to communicate. So I so appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, Susan. Well, I'm just so happy to have you here. I mean, it's just been wonderful. So, and I look forward to talking with you more. So, so thank you I'd so like much, that. Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't you. say it enough. <laughs> Thank you. All I'm right. glad we connected. Yes. Take care. Thank you, Have Susan. Have a beautiful rest of your afternoon. <laughs> and you as well. Enjoy the snow. <laughs> well, the snow's far away. Here it's rain, but yes. <laughs> Thank okay. you. All Bye. right. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Um, I just want to note that it's a beautiful book, and it would make a beautiful gift as we head into however you celebrate the holidays this time of year, whether it's the solstice that that resonates with you or Christmas or, or Hanukkah, any way that, that it comes to you, no matter what your tradition. This is a beautiful book that I, I recommend for gifts. I want to tell you real quick before the live show um, goes down that I will be back on the air on Monday. Monday I have Catherine Lucas coming on. We are going to talk about um, um, higher consciousness ways of dealing with a mental health crisis and um, she has expertise in spiritual crises when people have dramatic awakening experiences and and how that can impact people but really we're going to just talk about you know ways to ease healing and you know the trauma that comes from various types of crises that we encounter in our lives so that is monday um, the 23rd, November 23rd, at noon Pacific. So join us again at that time. And goodbye, live audience. It's so nice to have you with us today. Um, I'm going to just talk for just a second. 
podcast just to say that um, the Frontier Beyond Fear archive is available to you at FrontierBeyondFear.com and all of the upcoming schedule. I'm actually scheduling more shows heading in to the first part of December just to give authors an opportunity to talk about their books as potential gifts and and just um I'm going to be taking a break over the holidays so I'm bringing in some more people coming up so pay attention to that schedule there's some interesting guests coming up so um frontierbeyondfear.com is your resource and also the way that you can support the show if you feel so guided to support this work I welcome that and a way to do that is right there. And your prayers and your energy, those are welcome as well, however you choose to support this work. And I am just so happy and thankful for the community around this show. So take care, everyone, and I look forward to seeing you next time. And may you find angels to dance with because they are all around you. All you have to do is open up, and there they are. We can all dance every day. Take care, everyone.